0: Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you, and we come so thankful for your love. We come thankful for your word. And Father, as we ask ourselves the questions this morning about your church, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher pray that my words would be clear, that they would be helpful, that they would be encouraging, and that above all, they would give you glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, we ask a big question. Why church? Why church? It's okay to ask the question. We're in a crazy time right now. We've been in a crazy time as a society, as a culture, and as we come back, as things, Lord willing, continue to open up or not, why church? Where does church fit in the middle of everything? I'm so glad that you're here today, whether you're here in this building or you're joining us online, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. And my guess is we all have people in our sphere of influence who are disconnected from church. When they ask the question, why church? Maybe they've walked away. Maybe they just have questions. Maybe there's, maybe there's hurt. Maybe there's hypocrisy that they see. But for whatever reason... Maybe they're disconnected from church. I would invite you during this series, as we simply invite people to ask the question, why church? And we're going to have opportunities to um, have you submit questions about anything about church, which is a little scary to think about. <laughs> but I would invite you to invite others to come and join us on our journey as we look at why church. So on your way out today, we've got a little card that says, Why Church? Whether you're a church skeptic or a church supporter, you're welcome. How many of you at one point in your life have been a church skeptic? Just a few of you, right? I want you to think about that for a minute. I want you to, th- I want you to think about attitude towards church, because we're going to ask a big question today. We're going to spend about seven weeks, and we're going to look at some of the most important questions around church, and really some of the most important answers as to why we do church. And I want to acknowledge this morning that as we think about church and we ask those questions, that underneath those questions are problems... In pain. I don't know that I've ever been in a small group where we, as we talked about our church experience, that there wasn't pain. That there weren't questions, that there weren't there wasn't confusion. And my my hope, my deep prayer for us as a church, that we would be a place of hope, we would be a place of love, we would be a place of that is welcoming and that has hope. And wherever you are in your journey, you would find those things. And then as we think about the church that God is calling us to be, we would be that church that is a church of hope. And then if you got kids, you know, one of the things that just warms my heart is when I see kids having fun at church and kids enjoying church. And I hope one day those kids grow up and they look back and they say, oh, I was a part of this church. And they loved me and they taught me and they put Jesus at the center of all that they did. And they made a difference and their love was real and they had impact. So that's the church. Now, as we dig into this question, as Andrea read, we start with Jesus. And we start with the vision of church that Jesus gave to us. I have a not so subtle illustration for you this morning. Can you see the message of the sermon today? Jesus loves the church. I'm not trying to be confusing this morning, Jesus loves the church. I believe, though, there's a, there's a vision that Jesus had for the church. And we get this in John 17 where he is praying for unity. He is praying that they would be, that we would be one, that would be, we would be connected by love. Just as Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are connected, we are invited into that, and we are connected in love. And then Paul in Ephesians 5.25 as he's talking just about how to live and and, and other things he's talking in particular about marriage but he says this about Christ. He says Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. But as we look at history, as we look at our own times, there's been a disconnect between these two. There's been a disconnect. Even from the beginning, there's been battles over what Jesus' love means, what the church means. Historically, if you think we're in a tough time now, let me turn the clock back. I want to take you to 1536. 1536. That's way back. William Tyndale. If you know the name William Tyndale, it was in in that year that William Tyndale was strangled and burned at the stake. Welcome to church. What was his crime? He was burned and executed for heresy. What was his crime? He had the audacity to translate God's Word from Greek to English. I want you to think about that for a minute. I want you to think about what kind of world must it have been that one would be executed for translating God's Word into English. I'm so thankful that God's Word is so accessible to us today. But as we we, we go back and we think of that particular time In history, it it gives us some perspective on our own time. And as we think about God's love for the church, part of what Tyndale got himself in trouble for was he, when he translated the word for church, ecclesia, the gathering, he called it the congregation, which meant the people who were gathered together that ticked off the powers that be a little bit because they wanted this more of this German word that was church that had to do with the building and the structure and the organization and the institution. So in many ways, we've been, we've been battling for the last 500 years about what this means. So in the midst of that battle and in our own time, we don't fight so much over these things But I do believe this, as we look at our own time, I believe we have a different issue. And that is this, me. (laughs) Jesus loves me. And I look at this, I look at the church through this lens. Jesus loves me, this is a good thing. But sometimes in the process of understanding how Jesus loves me, sometimes we don't have a big enough concept of how Jesus loves the church and how you and I are a part of that church. So let's dive in and let's look at what Jesus has to say and what Paul has to say about the church. So let's go back to John 17, and I want to highlight just a few things. First of all, Jesus is praying for unity. He prays that they would be one. Now, when you think of the 12 disciples, I want you to picture this for a minute. So we have Jesus, Jesus' youth group. He's got the 12 disciples. Why 12? Well, that's, that's representative of the tribes of Israel. This is the fulfillment. I loved how Andrea talked about the Old Testament and the New Testament, how that fits together. That's just a beautiful picture. Put in another plug for Bible study and understanding the big picture of the Bible, it's a good thing. But as as we think about Jesus' prayer, we think of the disciples gathered, we think of an extension of those tribes from Israel all the way back to the Old Testament. As we think back to Moses and Joshua and crossing into the promised land and occupying territory. And then they would build a tabernacle, and then they would eventually have temples where there was a special concentration of God's presence. So here we have Jesus getting ready to leave this earth, and he is praying for us that we would be one, that we would be united in our love. And that those who would believe would demonstrate the truth of their love through their love for other people. There's probably no stronger testimony for our genuine love for Jesus than the way we love other people. One of the things that absolutely warms my heart is when I see our students getting baptized. That's a beautiful thing, but when I see the hangout afterwards and I see how genuinely They love and have joy and celebrate together. So there's this this picture of love that goes all the way back to Jesus and the church. That this love would be the prime characteristic of his people when they gather. Fast forward a little bit in Acts chapter 2, we'll see this picture of the church again where they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, and they pray together, and they fellowship together, and they, people see them, and they grow, and the Lord would add to their numbers daily. So we have this picture. But the problem, I believe, is that we disconnect these two, that we disconnect these two. Jesus' love, we don't see it clearly enough sometimes. I know I don't see it clearly enough sometimes. And then how does that connect to the church? So I want to share with you a prayer that Paul has to the church at Ephesus that I believe will help us understand the solution to this. This is Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21. and ever. Amen. I want to consider that prayer for a minute. What is Paul praying for? Paul could pray for circumstances to change. He could pray for persecution to stop. But what does he pray for? He prays that they would see the love of Jesus so clearly so clearly, and not just individually, but together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, let me ask you this morning, when you think of God's love, when you experience God's love, what is that like for you? What is that like for you? When you're in the the darkness of night, going through tough times, what is that like for you? Or even when you're celebrating amazing things, what is that like for you? What is the love of Christ like for you? Is Is that something that just your imagination explodes when you think of that? Or is it just a little thing? Is it just a little thing? I believe as we think about the church and we think about what God has for us as a church, it is seeing this love so clearly. That's the foundation. Anybody get on Twitter? (laughs) You get on social media? How many things do you see where there's conflict? where there's condemnation, there's critique. I'm not saying the church isn't above critique and good questions and all that, but does the simple love of Jesus shine brightly? That's the question for us. How do we make the love of Jesus shine so brightly? That's what fills Paul's imagination. It's that love that Jesus had for his disciples that continues through the early church. Sometimes I wonder as I I, I think back to all the epochs of history, I think of those days of William Tyndale and, again, being executed for translating God's Word. How How did the church survive? How did the church survive? It was by having a picture of this love, an experience of this love that transcended all of the challenges. So first, if we're going to ask the question, why church? We have to begin with this concept of Jesus' love, not just for you as an individual, not just for me as an individual, but for the church, the church. We live in a society where it's so individualistic. It's the water we swim in. Sometimes what's hard for us is to to peel that back and remember how much Jesus loved not just the individual, but the group of the church. So we see this picture in this prayer. Let me add to that in Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us Who believe. This is his prayer that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. It's what I want for you all. It's what I want for my kids that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened so that they could see, we could see this love so clearly, so clearly. So we have in these prayers a hint, actually more than a hint, a direction of what the church is about. Now, let me give you some pictures that will deepen our understanding of what this love looks like. Let's talk about the word love for a second. It can be a cliche sometimes. If we're really honest with, you know, what what does it mean to love? Love. Is it just a Hallmark card? Is it just a song? But as we think about this love that Christ has for the church, let's unpack it a little bit and let's, let's go to God's Word and understand what it actually looks like. I want to take you again to Ephesians. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 19. "'Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers.'" Jesus gives us some pictures of this love. And it's a love that's an attachment love. First of all, he says, as as the church, we are a family. We are part of God's family. We can pray to God, our Father, our our Abba Father. I was with my granddaughter, and she was starting to say a word. I could almost see it. But I think of that Abba, Father, that Dada. It's an attachment love. You're no longer strangers. You're no longer foreigners. You are part of the family of God. You're part of the family. And there's an attachment love that's embedded in that. Jesus will even say the, the relationship between him and the church, it's like, a, it's like a marriage. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. But there is an attachment love that is the strongest force in the world. I want you attachment love. If you have a kid, if you have a grandkid and they're in a burning building. would you think twice before you went in and tried to save them that's attachment love my friends that is a love that would sacrifice that would do whatever is necessary because i love this person so much that's a glimpse of what it means to be a part of the family of god it's the church so it's a family. Now, Paul also connects it, talks about it as a temple, as God's temple. What do you think of when you think of temple? Is it a sometimes church is just kind of weird. If we're honest with ourselves. I mean, sometimes we use these terms, and what does that even mean? Well, I want to give you just a little Old Testament here, but you think of God's presence. God would, would meet with them in the tent. The tabernacle, and then later the, this temple would be built. It would be in Jerusalem, and it would be you would have the holy of holies, and this is where the high priest would meet with God. This is where we would have rituals for the forgiveness of sins. When Jesus died, that temple curtain was torn in two, and we would have access. And then we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that that our bodies would be a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we hear that and we know that and we may say, that's great, but that's just a me and Jesus thing. Yes, but it's also a we, the church thing. That's a we thing, that's a church thing. We are put together together. As God's people, as the very temple of God. And he is building that. So we have the attachment love of the family. And we have the mortar of brick by brick, the temple. And I don't mean just like Flexol, Gorilla Glue, whatever adhesive you like the best. But this is a brick by brick temple that is being built. So I want you to consider that attachment love that we find with God in us. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So the very presence of God, the very Spirit of God is in you, is in me, is in us. And then when we come together, we are the temple. So when we think about the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of the people, and we think about why church, sometimes we just turned it into a building and an institution and a a bunch of cliches, and we're going to market to you and do a bunch of things. But I want you to see in God's word we have a picture of the church that is the very family of God, that is the very temple of God, and if if Jesus loves the church, I think we ought to as well. Now, Jesus gives us um, one more picture of the church. And we're going to dive into this in a little bit more detail in weeks to come. But when you, when you look at the picture of God or, or the picture of the church as God's family and the attachment love of a family, when you see it as a building, brick by brick, built together, connected. But then even more than that, Jesus says we are his body. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So, Jesus' love and the church are meant to be connected. This is the way God ordained it. This is His plan. When we picture the church, we picture these metaphors of attachment love, it's more than just you and Jesus. It's more than just me and Jesus, that God actually has a plan for us to be connected, and in our love, to expand, to expand. Jesus says in Matthew 28, go make disciples. Go to all nations and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded, and I will be with you until the end of the age. So that's the vision of the church to take that love and share that to the ends of the earth. Now, this morning, as we are together in this place, I want to invite you to go ahead and take out the communion elements, to take out the, the bread and the cup, And I want to take you back to that picture of Jesus with the disciples. When you look around that room, Judas would leave and betray him. Peter. Peter, the one to whom Jesus would say, upon this rock, I will build my church. But he gathered those disciples in the upper room. And Jesus had a vision of who that group would become. He knew what was to come. He knew what was ahead for him. He knew what that love for the church, that sacrifice for the church would look like. So he gathered his disciples and he He broke the bread and after giving thanks, he gave it to each one of his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So maybe we receive the bread together. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is my blood. This is the, the blood of the new covenant, blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink, do this in remembrance of me. So we now may we now receive the cup together. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you. We come to you so thankful for your love, not just for us as individuals, but for your church. Father, we're thankful for sending Jesus to give his life for us. So we ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see your love more clearly. Do a work in us so that we may love you with all that we have, that that love would would overflow into love for our brothers and sisters, for our church, and that that love would even expand into our community so that when people would see us, they would see your love, and they would come. So Holy Spirit, do a work inside each one of us to draw us nearer to you today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.